Second Thessalonians chapter 2, if you have your Bibles. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Uh, I was uh, very intrigued recently by the headlines that were gripping the news uh, that were going on about, uh, I don't know if you know some of this, I'll just share it with you, that uh, we actually had uh, heat waves in more places in the earth because of El Nino. It really has little to do with climate change. It has more to do with El Nino. But uh, uh, Europe was seeing over 100 degrees, which is incredible for them, as well as heat waves. We, when we left conference, we, took, we red-eyed out. We hit Phoenix at 1030 at night. And it was a hundred and eight. That ain't right. Just saying. Russia and China are about to do joint naval exercises in the Sea of China. That's a flex because of the recent summit that was in Vilnius, Lithuania of the NATO members allowing Sweden to join NATO. Things are beginning to ramp up, and as I'm reading this, and we could talk about economics and and all sorts of other uh, international members of, uh, you know, the World Bank and and the International Monetary Fund, one is being fired because... They uh, had opposing views. And as I began to read these kinds of headlines, gripping me is, of course, the walk towards the rapture and the tribulation. And I began to look at this portion of Scripture again and think about this. And, and so I'm calling this sermon, is simply called The Gathering. But I've subtitled it, The rapture, the restrainer, and the revealing. And so I want to think about this out of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. It says, Now, dear brothers and sisters, let me clarify something about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and how we will be gathered to meet him. Don't be so easily shaken or alarmed by those who say that the day of the Lord has already begun. Don't believe them if they've claimed to add a spiritual vision, a revelation, or a letter supposedly from us. Don't be fooled by what they say for the day of the Lord, for the day will come when there is a great rebellion or in the, literally it is the word apostasy, against God and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the one who brings destruction. He will exalt himself and defy everything that people call God and every object of worship. He will even sit in the temple of God claiming that he himself is God. Don't you re- uh, do you not remember that I told you these things when I was with you? And you know what is holding him back. For he can be revealed only when his time comes for the lawless. This is already at work secretly or a mystery or 
It's at work, and people don't understand this is what it's saying. It's not understood like a secret. And when it, when it will remain a secret until the one who is holding back steps out of the way, then the man, the man of lawlessness will be revealed. But the Lord Jesus Christ will slay him with the breath of his mouth and destroy him with the splendor of his coming. This man will come to do the work of Satan with a counterfeit power and signs and miracles. He will use every kind of deception to fool those on their way to destruction because they refuse to love and accept the truth that would save them. So God will cause them to be greatly deceived and they uh, will believe these lies. Then they will be condemned for enjoying evil rather than believing truth. Now, to put this in perspective, what has happened in Thessalonica is most likely because of a comment that that uh, the Apostle Paul makes in verse 2, that someone had written a letter. Someone had had some kind of dream, revelation, something that they began to say, and they may have even said and put Paul's name on it. They may have said, oh, they signed it, the Apostle Paul, and and we know we live in the day of identity theft and frauds and all of that. You can have all of that stolen from you. This was probably uh, something that had happened that Paul is writing to clarify something about the end times, about the rapture. We know in Thessalonica, in uh, Corinthians rather, uh, that uh, Paul has to spend the entire chapter of chapter 15 uh, dealing with the fact that some people began to teach that the resurrection or the rapture had already passed. And so he deals with this. This was some kind of doctrine that was floating around and I'm going to deal a little bit with that in the last in the, in Paul's day, and so he's clarifying he either was misquoted or someone blatantly lied. But he begins to talk about this to bring this in perspective. He begins to talk again about the rapture. In verse two, it talks about the gathering together of us to the Lord. That, uh, or verse three, I'm sorry, that it begins to bring that out, that we will be gathered together, don't be soon shaken, don't believe uh, people who say this has already passed, uh, because this has not passed. Jesus is coming, and he's coming soon. In 1 Thessalonians, he'd explain that, uh, that uh, the dead in Christ, would rise first when the trumpet uh, will sound. And when that trumpet sounds, uh, then we who are alive and remain will be caught up. That's where we get the word rapture. Caught up to be with Him and uh, forever in the clouds uh, to be with the Lord. That that event is going to happen. In Hebrews 10 and verse 37, for just a little while... The coming one will come and not delay. And so the thought that began to happen is this twisting of the rapture that it had already happened and my gosh, you've missed it out or you've lost it. And so false doctrine. And it's very interesting when Jesus was asked by the four disciples on the Mount of Olives 
about the end times, the first thing he said was, do not be deceived. The deception, and I'll talk about this a little bit more in just a second, but deception is going to be a mark of the last days. People are going to have all sorts of crazy visions and doctrines and all sorts of things. But he's telling them to stay ready. So I can ask the question that Paul is asking, are you ready for the rapture? If the rapture happened today, are you ready? Because that's what he's asking here. He's telling the church that they heard this and uh, he has to deal later because some of them thought that the rapture had, uh, had already happened, that they, you know, quit their jobs and they, you know, just were going to freeload or whatever it was. They began to take up these false uh, teachings and false attitudes uh, that Paul deals with in the chapter after he brings out about the Antichrist and the rapture itself. Tells us in verse 3, Don't be fooled by what they say. For that day will not come until there is a great rebellion against God. And the man of lawlessness is revealed. The one who brings destruction. He's telling them, stay ready. Are you ready if Jesus were to come today? What would you have to do to make it right? If Jesus was going to come today. Because on that day, forgiveness isn't going to be able to be given. Witnessing isn't going to be able to be done. Coming to church and paying your tithe is going to be too late. What is it that you haven't done that if Jesus came today, you wouldn't be ready for? That's what Jesus. That's what Paul is saying. Luke 21 is one of the chapters. I've mentioned it before. Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21. They're sister chapters. Dealing with the end times, this conversation that Jesus had with Andrew, Peter, James, and John. And he makes this statement. He says, keep alert at all times. Pray that you might be strong enough to escape the horrors and stand before the Son of Man. Makes this very clear. That you know what? There's an escape. But you've got to be ready for it. And in our text, Paul really does warn us that one of the marks of the last days is people are going to be falling away. An apostasy, a removal. The word falling away in the King James is where we get our word apostasy. It literally means defection from the truth. This is what the text is talking about. He says the Antichrist is going to come on the scene. We're going to look at him in just a moment. And he's going to come on with signs and wonders and lies. And also what is be working in the last days is false doctrines. The church world losing its 
potency, if you will, embracing more and more of worldly doctrines, not dealing with morals, not dealing with money, not dealing with marriage, just allowing the same statistics that the mark the world to mark the church. And forsaking, I was actually shocked as I went to conference and there were a couple of, couple of people I really did know well. They've left their wives, backslidden, divorced, so they can be immoral. One of them really, really shocked me. I was talking, I tried to talk with him last conference, and he was a little standoffish, and I thought, maybe he's having a bad hair day, I don't know. Find out he's gone. The falling away. 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 3, now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last times, some will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits, and that come from the teachings of demons. These people are hypocrites, liars. Their consciences are dead. They will say it is wrong to be married and wrong to eat certain foods. But God created the foods to be eaten with thanksgiving and by faithful people who know the truth. People are going to embrace false teachings in our day. Now, we know this in the world is happening right now. The insanity that is happening in the world right now. The, the gender issues that are happening. It's like, this is child abuse. What it is. This, you know, the disgusting habits of people making drugs legal. Filling our generation full of prescription addicts. But that's not what Paul is talking about. It's easy to go, those sinners are wicked. He's talking about the church. He's talking about people who embrace doctrines that are anti-Bible. And there is going to be a plethora of these doctrines to choose from. A literal demonic smorgasbord. That people are going to embrace these. I don't have to go to a church. I can be spiritual. Not Bible. It's not in the Bible. In fact, it says... The last days, people are going to forsake the assembling of themselves together. It's going to be biblical. It's not just COVID. It's a demonic spirit. Second Timothy 4, 3 and 4, For the time will come when the people will no longer listen to wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. That's what's happening in our day. 
Oh, I'm okay with God if I divorce my wife and chase after whatever I want. I'm okay with God. I don't have to tithe if I don't like the past. You know, where did you get that? What scripture, what verse, what book of the Bible will give you that? This is biblical because it's going to happen in our day. The false teachings. Jesus actually asked the question in Luke 18.8. I will tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly, but when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? How many of them will really believe it? People have believed all sorts of things. The mark of the Antichrist who were... And a look at it the, in the last, the revealed, the Antichrist. The mark of him is he's a deceiver. That God is going to allow him and his little prophet to do lying signs and wonders, and people are going to believe it. But it gives us a clue on why. Our text tells us why they will believe it. In verse 11, God, so God will cause them to be greatly deceived and, w- and they will believe these lies. Then they will be condemned for enjoying evil rather than believing the truth. Why will they believe and be deceived? They want to be. They want that to be true. They want false doctrine. They want to believe that they can that God made a mistake, they should have been a girl, and they therefore can marry another man. They want to believe that. And I'm not talking about sinners. I'm talking about people who profess Christianity. This is horrible. People will believe all sorts of things. They'll believe it because they want to. I mean, I could go back through history, flat earth. People believe that if you sail far enough away from Europe, you would just fall off the earth. Christopher Columbus actually didn't believe that. He actually believed that the earth was round. He just didn't understand that there were these things called America in the way of him getting to India. That's why when he landed, they called Native Americans Indians. Because he wanted to find a quicker route to India. On and on. Let's talk about the restrainer. Because our text tells us as well that the church, through the Holy Spirit, and it's more the Holy Spirit, is restraining the full expression of evil in the world. That right now, you think it's bad. Right? You think, oh, well, we couldn't get it any worse than it is right now. (laughs) Oh, you're so wrong. Our politicians today are so bad. You're so wrong. The Holy Spirit, through the church, restrains the full 
outright onslaught that hell wants to do. The devil is not your friend. So why talk to him? But that's another story. Why listen to him? Two reasons why we will be removed. One is God is going to have to judge the world. I don't know if you understand this, but wickedness is coming to the place where God is going to have to judge it. And when he does judge it, the righteous shouldn't be here. Those that are right with God should not be here. Genesis 18.25 is when the Lord and two angels visit Abram, Abraham. And as they're with Abraham, they tell him that they're about to destroy Sodom. And, and Abraham begins that famous intercession prayer for Sodom. And he makes this statement when he goes from 50, if there's 50 righteous, will you spare the city? Okay, if there's 45, how about 40, 30, 20, 10? He makes this statement, surely it would be, it, uh, Genesis 18.25, surely you wouldn't do such a thing, destroying the righteous along with the wicked. Why would you be treating the righteous and the wicked exactly the same? Surely you wouldn't do that. Should not the judge of all the earth do what is right? God always gives his people an opportunity to escape. God tells Noah, I'm going to destroy the earth with water. Or as they say in Boston, water. Build an ark. Noah gave opportunity for others to come into the ark. No one but his family, eight, did. God's hand shut the door. Then the rain started. God always marks his people different than the ones he will judge. Goshen in the land of Egypt was where the children of Egypt uh, the children of Israel lived in Egypt. And when they lived there, when the plagues came darkness or hail, they did not touch Goshen. God treats his people differently. God's plan is that we would escape the judgment. Escape the tribulation, the great tribulation that is coming. It's not my job to be here and fight the Antichrist. In fact, he's going to fight the saints. Lots of people might get saved because of the 144,000 evangelists that God has reserved in Israel for that time. We'll get to him later. 1 Thessalonians 1.10 And then they speak of how you are looking forward to the coming of God's Son from heaven 
Jesus, whom God raised from the dead, he is the one that has rescued us from the terrors of the coming judgment. You read the book of Revelation. You may not understand it all, but you will understand enough to know that it is not going to be pretty. The first four horsemen, the rise of the Antichrist, the major war, followed by famine, followed by death. Many believe that this is probably a nuclear war, that the fallout will be such that one third, one, I'm sorry, one quarter of the world's population will die. We have just crossed seven and a half billion people screaming towards eight billion people on the planet. If, let's just say, one, one and a half billion people are saved, leaving six billion people on the planet, that war at the beginning of the tribulation will kill a billion and a half people. Billion and a half people. The population of India gone. At the beginning of the war, beginning of the tribulation. Some have said by the time Armageddon comes around, there may only be a few hundred thousand on the planet between the plagues and the judgments and the, you know. All of that. That's what we're escaping. And it's coming soon. If we believe Jesus is coming soon, and we do, then so is the tribulation. And I'll tell you, the Antichrist is going to make people like Putin or Hitler or Stalin look like Boy Scout. Because the fifth seal tells us that he wages war against believers. Again, I digress. We'll get to him in a minute. What's holding him back right now? Holding back the plans of Satan, the Holy Spirit. Hal Lindsey was a man, he wrote a number of uh, end-time books. He wrote a book called The Rapture. It's a, it was a good book in its day. He made a statement, it's actually on page 129 if you want to look it up, talking about the restrainer. It says this restrainer has to have a couple of marks. One, he has to be have a worldwide influence. There is no one man. I don't care if you think it's the President of the United States or Mark Zuckerberg on Facebook. There's no one man that has that kind of influence. The restrainer has to be supernatural. He has to be very powerful. He must have a reason for no longer holding it back because the church is gone. And he must actually be able to withstand Satan himself. The only one that points to is the Holy Spirit. That in the tribulation, 
the Holy Spirit will be gone. Some have said of this text that it points to the fact that backsliders will not be able to get saved during the tribulation. I don't believe that that is the plan of God, that they backslid, missed the rapture, they couldn't get saved. I don't believe that that's the plan of God. But I do believe because they loved unrighteousness, it's going to be very difficult for them to get saved. Because if they won't respond, well, the Holy Spirit is here. First, in in John 16, it says, But the fact it is best for you, this is Jesus speaking, that I go away, because if I don't, the Advocate won't come. If If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin, because it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. And judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. There is so much more I want to tell you, but you cannot bear it now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all truth. He will not speak of his own, but he will tell you what what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. The Holy Spirit is holding back all the works of hell. And this tells us that the rapture, everything changes. Everything changes. Jesus said, Matthew 24, and I'll paraphrase verses 38 through 42. That the end times are going to be just like Noah's day. Before Noah got in the ark, they're marrying, giving in marriage, they're celebrating, partying. People didn't realize what was going on. But when Noah went into the boat, everything changed. The flood came, swept them all away. Jesus says, that will be as when the Son of Man comes. Two will be in a field. One man will be taken, the other man left. Two women grinding at the mill. One will be taken, the other left. So you must keep watch, for you do not know the hour when your Lord is coming. It's going to change, because the Holy Spirit's not going to be here. Then this... Then the lawless man, or as the King James calls him, the son of perdition. The term is actually used only twice in the Bible. It describes the Antichrist and it describes Judas Iscariot, the lost one. It tells us a bit about him in our text. It tells us that he'll be the man of lawlessness who will bring destruction. Again, you read the books of Daniel, the book of Revelation, you understand that's a time of destruction. The Antichrist is now on the scene. Verse 4 tells us that he will exalt himself and defy everything that people call God and every object that is worshipped. 
He will sit in the temple of God, claiming himself that he is God. The marks of this man are very interesting. Because he will be influenced by Satan himself. Many believe that even after he is assassinated and rises from the dead, that it's not actually him, but it will be Satan himself dwelling in his body. Revelation 12.12, Therefore rejoice, O heavens, in whom you have, uh, and you who live in the heavens rejoice. But terror will come upon the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you in great anger, knowing that he has little time. You think it's bad now? When Jesus comes, everything changes. It's going to be really bad. The devil's going to come with just a short, short time. Our text goes on, chapter, uh, verses, the Second Thessalonians 2, 8 through 10. The man of lawlessness will be revealed, but the Lord will slay him with the breath of his mouth. This is referring to Revelation 19 when Jesus comes back at Armageddon and destroy him at the splendor of his coming. This man will do the work of Satan with a counterfeit power and signs and miracles. He will use every kind of deception to fool those on their way to destruction because they refuse to love and accept the truth that would save them. The devil's going to rule. He'll take over politically. Revelation 3, I'm sorry, Revelation 13, 7 is where it says he causes everyone. This is a worldwide government, everyone, small and great, free and slave, to take a mark. Without that mark, no one buys or sells. The economic, we could talk about the RIFD chip and all that, the technology that's out there. The fact that your phone even tracks you now by the chips in it, even when you shut it off. also says he's going to wage war against God's holy people. Revelation 13, 7, and the beast was allowed to wage war against God's holy people and to conquer them. He was given authority to rule over every tribe and people and language and tongue. Peace and war are in his hands. In fact, it says that people will say, who is like the Antichrist who could make war with him? He will rule the earth by government. He will sign a peace treaty with Israel. Daniel seven, uh, Daniel 9.27, he'll make that peace treaty for, and it will last seven years, but in the middle of it, he'll break it. He'll put an end to the sacrifice and the offerings. He will be very, very powerful. The earth. But what you can watch for. He could be in politics today. I don't know. There's one man that seems to pop up everywhere that I wonder about. 
But I don't really care who the Antichrist is. I'm looking for Christ's return, not who the Antichrist is. But he'll also be incredibly religious. Many believe that, and you can work this through on your own theology, this is what I happen to believe, that the war, the red horse, is the war that probably is spoken of in Ezekiel 38 and 39. The destruction of Russia, the Arab states. These are happening, that alliance is happening right now with Turkey, with Iran, Russia. The defeat will happen, the Antichrist will rise up in Europe, take over, control the world's banking. Sign a treaty with Israel, and many believe that that treaty will include the rebuilding of the temple. Because what we're reading about here is that he's going to set up himself in Revelation 13, verses 11 through 15, says he saw another beast coming out of the earth who had two horns, those of a lamb, and he spoke with the voice of a dragon. And he exercised all authority of the first beast, and it required that all the earth, the people, uh, people to worship the first beast, whose fatal wound had been healed. And he did astonishing miracles and made fire flash down from the sky while everybody was watching, and he did miracles that allowed to perform on behalf of the first beast, and he deceived all the people of the who belonged to this world. And he ordered all the people to make a statue of the beast who had been fatally wounded and then had come back to life. And be permitted life to be given to this so that it could speak. And the statue of the beast commanded anyone refusing to worship it must die. This statue, and some have said, if you've followed the heartbreak, I tell you my heart is broken that Hollywood isn't able to make movies and television shows. <laughs> so sad. Enough garbage out there already, right? AI. Influenced by a demonic spirit. Statue will have life. He'll put it in the temple. Which will break the covenant in Israel. Because that would be an abomination. An idol in the temple. Daniel twelve eleven, From the time that the daily sacrifices stopped, and the sacrilegious object that causes desecration is set up to be worshipped, there will be 1,290 days. Jesus spoke of this. The day is coming that when you'll see what Daniel the prophet spoke about, the sacrilegious object that causes desecration standing in the holy place. Readers, pay attention. That this statue, this idol will be placed in the temple. One slight little problem right here. We don't have a third temple yet. We don't have that yet. Will that be with the defeat of the Arabs and the Muslims? 
that the Antichrist says, build your temple? Others say that it could be just aside it. I don't know. But I know it will be built. Tiaz Friedman is a Jew. I found this on Shatbad.org. He wrote this article five days ago. Healing the world would become more attractive idea every year. Same with the Jewish unity. The scattered of the Jewish people, uh, of the, uh, the idea of a third temple in Jerusalem on the other side of the Western Wall. Why must this be part of the equation? On contrary, outwardly, it does not seem like a good plan for peace, especially considering the location. Yet, the construction of the third temple is, just, is not just another element of the ingathering of the exiles. It is the key. From the classic sources, it seems like when they come, uh, when, the, uh, when, when it comes time for all the Jewish people to return to their land, the temple will be needed to be built first. For some reason, the whole process can't kick off till then. There's a move in Israel right now to rebuild the temple. Two days ago in the Jerusalem Post, video of Jews, this is just the title, just the headline, I'm not going to go through all the, but yesterday, Jerusalem Post, videos of Jews performing a priestly blessing on the Mount Temple. On the Temple Mount sparked Palestinian outrage. Two days ago. This was back in May. With the import of the sacrificial cow, they need a red heifer, and they just flew one over back in May from the United States. Ancient hymns and growing support for some nationalist Jews in the hopes to rebuild their temple in the Jerusalem's old city, the site at the heart of the Israeli-Palestinian tensions. In a, this was French news, by the way. In a suburb of Tel Aviv, a group of choristers are getting ready for the moment they will rejoice at the reconstruction of the Jewish temple some 2,000 years after its destruction. They believe that it will accelerate the arrival of the Messiah. Antichrist building the temple, allowing them to believe he's the Messiah. For others, the realization of the goal would massively inflame tensions around the Al-Aqas Mosque, the compound in Israel annexed by East Jerusalem. We're seeing the tensions built. So I asked the question that Paul was getting at. Are you ready for the gathering? We're close. We're close. The temple does not have to be built before the rapture. We're close. And if you and I, are, if you're not ready, it's time to be ready. Time to be worthy to escape. Stop embracing false doctrines. Stop embracing because the apostasy is at work. People are falling away. Embracing all sorts of insanity. 
When you say, show me where that is in the Bible, they'll go, that's the way I feel. Somehow feelings have become higher than Scripture. Are you ready for the rapture? Let's bow our heads for just a moment. We're close to Jesus coming back. Jesus is coming for those who are righteous, who have gotten their relationship with him right. Repented from their sins, turned from their ways, and said, Jesus, forgive me. It is them and only them that are going in the rapture. So the question is, are you ready? If Jesus came tonight, are you ready? Ready to go? Because you don't want to be here for the, for the alternative. Not going to be pretty. You're here and you're not right with God. You're not saved or you're backslidden. You need prayer. I wonder if you'd very quickly slip up your hand. You say, yep, that's me. God is convicting me right now. I need to get my heart right with Jesus. Thank God. Anyone else? Very quickly. You're backslidden. The apostasy, the falling away. It doesn't have to be you. You don't have to believe a lie. You don't have to embrace a false doctrine. You don't have to. You do it because you want to. That is the danger. That is what is happening in our day. Feelings are now trumping Scripture. I feel this way, therefore it must be okay. What does the Bible say? What does the Word of God have to say concerning that? It's going to be the mark. The mark of our generation that we need to be very, very much aware of to do what is right. Let's all stand. We're going to open these altars. Allow people to find a place to talk to God. You want to do that? Is in grace.
Unending love. Unending love. Amazing. Let's give Him praise. Let's worship Him. Give Him glory. Father, we love You.